What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Friday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. Stocks are adding to the best week of the year as October jobs comes in 150,000. That's below almost every estimate with some negative revisions. Bond yields are tumbling. Two-year now the lowest since Labor Day. Our roadmap begins with the softening in the job market and some Fed expectations. U.S. employers scaling back their hiring in October, adding 150,000. Plus, Apple's drag. The iPhone maker posting its fourth quarterly sales decline and providing a somewhat soft outlook for revenue in the December quarter. Shares a bit lower ahead of the open. And the verdict's in. FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried is found guilty on all seven criminal counts against him. He's now facing the potential of 115 years. Oh, it's all just 115 years. Right. Consecutive sentence. Sure. Let's get to the jobs number, though. As we said, 150,000. Unemployment ticks up to 3.9. Uh, average hourly earnings year on year is a new cycle low, uh, lowest uh, since June of 2021. Got some losses in manufacturing. That's the strike, Jim. Yeah, the strike. I think that the healthcare is back being big again. Uh, government being big again. I will say that I'm going to go back to the way, way back machine to when we just used to have these people come on, constantly criticize Powell that this wasn't happening. And remember during the Omicron, he was being too uh, lenient, not being tight enough. Dave, we don't talk about that anymore. We, we talk about how maybe he's being too constrictive. Now, I think the answer is when you look at this number, he's just right, Mr. Goldilocks. You feel like it's trending well for him? Yes, I do. I think it's uh, going to be a big win for a man who is very self-effacing and uh, doesn't bother to have to defend himself other during that weird period with former President Trump where Trump was like saying he should resign or something. Remember? I forget which period that was. Um, well, it was like a period where everybody had to resign. Yeah. Like the period when he told me that he was going to knock my show off and made money because he had the 6 o'clock press conference. Um, back to uh, the jobs report. And yeah. also the week that we've had in the market so well, far. Well, I don't we do know. Like, the now. week that we have, Thursday was a very big day. Yes. I spent that with Sarah. I, I'm aware of who you right. spent it with. I do remember Monday where you came in. You were Debbie Downer. But as the no, week has I gone said, on, I think your moods have well, moved. Josh Frost spoke. Josh Frost. He's the man who came up with the schedule that didn't have a lot of 30-year, but mostly 10, mm. seven, three to 10-year paper. He's a hero of the American piece, the unsung <laughs> hero. Josh Frost. Josh Frost. <laughs> Pride's head revisited kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, that's exactly uh, what B of A points out today, Jim. The Fed pause, pretty benign Treasury refunding. Now you got a softer jobs number. Uh, Hartnett argues today a lot of the street was positioned for 10-year at 5-5, five, five, not 4-5. I know. Uh, look, look, this has been a huge short squeeze week. Uh, and it is to our colleague Steve Lees was talking about it, the penny stock uh, bond market. Look, look uh, sometimes things go right. Uh, the, the, you had to go through a big gauntlet. You had to have 
Uh, the Fed say the right thing at the press conference, and I thought that Powell handled himself incredibly well. Uh, you had to have the Treasury issuance schedule, which turned out to be much more benign. You had to have this number, which turns out to be benign. And you had to have Apple, which I will defend in a moment. So you really kind of went four for four. Uh, and I don't think people were anticipating that you could go four for four. Go the tenure. I mean, yeah. Tenure's back. I That's know. why back the, the housing five. stocks exploded yesterday. The mortgage rates are going to come down. Well, they already have this week, yes. right? Yeah. It's great. David, you might have looked. There's a place, one Wall Street court that I'm thinking has your name on it. Oh, really? You're yeah. looking at a place for me? Yeah. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. I want back in the real estate market. Will you buy it for me as, and just gift it to me? Or uh, now you grab it? And, no, because I get know, hurt very badly by the, the gift estate? tax. No? The gift tax would crush me. Okay. But anyway, just I'm once. telling you that people are going to go back. Now, one of the things I know you follow floor and decor closely. Of course. Uh, they were talking about how the mortgage rates really hurt them. And what I would say is, okay. That's over. Now we're back. Uh, right. How did we well, get back so quickly? I don't listen. We were at eight percent. We're now, as you see, uh, uh, down. Um, yeah. It, it's a little early, isn't it, to say we're back so quickly? Well, I, I, look. I think that the Fed chief would say, could we at least have maybe three more months before we declare victory? Because he doesn't want to be like a previous Fed chief who declared victory and then it turned out to be way too soon. Right. That said, I mean, I still am coming back to that gunlock interview that Wapner did on well, after the Fed. You mean the one on where it could be really good or really bad? Yeah. Or it could be, I mean, that number that he used. And again, after Druckenmiller earlier that day, the $2 trillion in interest expense yeah. because we have 50% of our debt coming due in the next three years. And if rates right. stay where they are, and then that's going to, I mean, there's some scary numbers. There always are. But thank you. Always. There are and, always scary numbers, David. We they, were sc- right. they were scary. Can you imagine uh, President Lincoln when he got that bill? Talk about scary. I mean, Lincoln, we was, I'll see you at the Lincoln on Sunday. Uh, I have to tell you, you go back and you read Chernow. And you read, or you read the, how, the Ways and Means, which is how, you know, how Lincoln financed it. We've been there. Is what I, the Republic has been there. So, like, maybe these guys ought to go a little history-like, because the public is not new to this. It was a somewhat different market in the, in the 1860s, but yeah. Well, but, I mean, I say our country was a little more challenged then than now, but when I listen to the billionaires... Sadly, they only, only like, perhaps a little more challenged. Yeah, but the billionaires no. always think that this is the worst time ever. Maybe when you get to be a billionaire, everything seems to be worse than before you were a billionaire. As we've said before, when you're a billionaire, you run out of things you can't fix yes. with money. Yes. So you, you worry get, about the big stuff. You get exactly. very frustrated, too, because you're so sure that you know everything. Well, then, Because everybody's right. told you you know everything right. because well, you're a billionaire. billionaire. Yeah, well, <laughs> President Xi's not really into the billionaire class. No. It's hard to keep billionaires humble. Some are. It is. Some are. Okay, I think Tepper's Some humble. Some are. I think David Tepper's humble. See, because when you have a team like that one, it's humbling. Yeah. You need somebody to just tell you all the time you're wrong and you have no idea what you're talking about. I try to do that's that with my source wife. base, but, and some of them take it well and Husband. others don't. Well, and don't talk to me again. I, I, look, ma- making light of the, fa- the fact that everything's going correctly if you own stocks, but you would not feel that way if you listen to a particular class of people who have already made it and don't seem to want to help you, but it's not their job to help you. Uh, I understand. Look, the debt, the debt on the, the debt's high. Yeah, yeah and, uh, the and there's no way, there's no way out uh, that we can no think way of. We want to make light of six hundred and forty no, billion now, yeah, and it's only an, going higher. I don't and we have are an running two trillion dollars. No, I actually deficits. do have an answer. You raised, the PE multiple says that we're going to raise corporate taxes very big. That the tax, riches, the rich are going to have to pay a lot more if President Biden is reelected. These are all in. Uh, these are all in the cards. 
results. And anyone who denies it doesn't understand why the P multiples really shrunk, which is that the corporate tax is going to be so much higher that you're, the numbers you thought they were going to make next year are much more. Yeah. Uh, City brought that point up just this That's week. That's good. That's good yeah. note by City. Uh, Jim mentions Apple. Uh, it is lower in the pre-market despite the Q4 beat and these higher iPhone and services sales. Revenue's down now for four straight quarters, and that's due in part to Mac and iPad weakness in China. For the holiday quarter, Apple says it expects sales to be similar to the year-ago period. Jim, Street's almost at five, so that's what we're looking at today. Yeah? Well, look, I, I know that... I don't know, I spoke to Tim Cook and Luca Mestre last time, which we do with Steve Kovacs before this. The, the notion of what you hear on that conference call is so different from what we hear. Uh, what we hear is, is that, look, there were some glitches where they, uh, there was a bulge of how many iPads they sold this year because of a COVID issue, and the year over year is distorted. There were uh, fewer days this quarter that was barely talked about. Uh, the Vision Pro, the orders, uh, it looks like that the people who are writing for it, it's much more of a B2B product than people thought, which therefore is really a big crack in the Apple getting into the B2B, so it could be much larger. David, there are two... There's the Apple that I talk to, mm-hmm. and there's the Apple that is in the grueling, you've got no growth, you buffoons. They leave out buffoons, but it's a subtext. You know how, you know, you know like when you're watching cartoons, and there's like a little, what a buffoon? Yes. And, well, you know, I want more buffoons. Right. Give me more buffoon CEOs, please. What a, I want to talk for a minute about services. Are you going to go with the no? No, no, no. I oh, just want to, okay. I mean, there's a quote service from. Service uh, being equal. There's to, a quote from Tim Cook about the iPhone 15. And right. remember, you, you, it, the quarters don't match up. They want to make that point. Thank Last you. year, there were seven more days. Exactly. Seven more so, days. And don't forget, the iPad, the, I, the iPad, the Mac, and the wearables will next quarter be less than the service revenue. And service revenue is, you incre- is incredible. How about I mean, this? You're, you're, what kind of margin do you get there in service? It's an enormous margin. Apple what 70? should the multiple be on that revenue number alone on a yearly and a basis? Half? You know, that's what you're I doing posited. $22.5 billion two, in revenue two on quarters services? Ago, so I posited $26.5 to Tim. Right. And it was like, Jim, we're a tech company. We're not a bleach company, you know, that kind of thing. Just, no, no, I just, I'm not kidding. He doesn't like to hear the I service. I mean, the run rate on that services revenue, which is, is only going, went up 16%. Right, and 16%? by the way, you know, they raised the price of Apple Plus. I mean, you know, who cares? It's rounding her. You take, when you take, when, I don't know if you bought the, the, the 15 Pro. No. It's a surprise. I got it from my wife. She doesn't watch the show. I don't care. And it, I took all the different services. I mean, the services are, holy cow. It's I mean, that's like the second biggest thing I bought this year. It's a lot of services. Don't tell my wife I bought and it. And as we've then said many times, Carl, of course, those services come with a very high margin and therefore it, get look, a higher recurring multiple well, as they potentially should and make up a larger percentage of the overall revenue Well, I'm base. so glad you pointed out because, again, on the conference call, no one talks about that. All they do is they do, woe is me, you haven't grown. Now, it's true. Let's say India takes off. Like Indonesia's taking You know, like people don't even look at this. Go Google the populations that they're, that they're doing well in. Uh, you know, Brazil, in, uh, Turkey, Indonesia, the Philippines. These are countries, these are major countries that are doing well. They haven't scratched the surface yet of India, which is much younger population, India harder to do business. Now, all people focus on is what's going on in Shanghai. And I really don't like it. I find the calls demeaning and insulting, frankly. Mm. Uh, you mentioned uh, the analysts. Uh, Goldman today reiterates by Wamsi Moen of B of A was on Squawk was today. On this morning, uh, we remain concerned uh, that weakness across iPad Mac wearables are a leading indicator of further weakness. I think Wamsi's a good analyst. 
Meaning <laughs> you endorse this I, message? No, I, sw- I, I switched from nice guy <laughs> to good, good. analyst. Because yeah, came on. It. If you I come on it. our shows, you go. You don't get nice guy. You get good. Listen, They're always nice. They always I, say hi, Wamsi. I know you just seem to want to push aside China, but come on. It's 19% of revenues. It's an incredibly they were, important They had market, great numbers in the for four, selling and, urban, and, and it wasn't close. It was a $2 had, billion dollar miss in China. Well, uh, you know, China is perhaps the most challenged country on earth. They've never heard of Keynes. They never, Huawei, they, Huawei is back with uh, maybe it's not competitive. But they, now, by the way, on the call, Cook is saying they took market share. Yes, they did. He said they took more. They had to you know, because of the volume is what he said. But what I liked about China is, is this is how they're doing with the, with the pitiful, helpless giant that China's become. Can you imagine if, if she actually embraces capitalism and just goes full bore Keynes, which they have to do, judging by the mayor's numbers today? Oh, I'm sure that's going to happen, Jim. You do. I'm, what are you talking about? Well, I mean, he, he's he likely to meet with the president. Uh, comments today from about Xi Ma- about Germany. Oh, I like what he said ties. about Micron. Sanjay Marotra back yes. in. Was, it, um, I know Pac- he covered. Terrace, my friend. Did, Go that. Pakaman Terrace. What about that speech about women, though, and their places potentially in the home? And Well, you know, he's a little, a little out of date there. Do you, uh, think, do you think Starbucks yesterday was a comment about what Apple could be in China? Starbucks was so Luxman Luxman delivered. You had him on last night. Yeah, and I I don't know if we have a clip. I always am very self-referential, but there was amazing numbers out of China, and they want to they want to double China quickly. Uh, It's regarded as a treat. You know, we drink like 232 cups cups of coffee in this country a year. They do 10 10 percent of that. David, there are cities with 700,000 people where there's like one Starbucks. Uh, I thought he said no Starbucks. Well, there are some no Starbucks 750. and how many do they open every day in the oh, country? Well, they, every hour and a half, you know, there's like, it's like. It, it, so there's no end? There's no end. They the need, potential demand they need in triple the, the number of Starbucks. Triple. Mm-hmm. And Luxman, by the way, he solved the coal problem. They got cold. They got you know cold. He, you know he he solved the cold problem. Well, they, you know, there had been a cold backup. And right. Ice backup back and being able to make the. Uh, I like oh, maybe we can listen. Yeah, to this is a bit of sound. You've got a sound? Yes. Yeah, take a listen to of Kramer's interview. Whew. The opportunity is really large. You know, we think that uh, we could be over fifty-five thousand stores. You know, we're going to be opening three out of four stores outside of the U.S. But that doesn't take away from the opportunity we have in the U.S. Oh, he's so good. This is consumer packaged goods story. Wait, stock- you did you do that interview in person? Yeah, that? I did that. That was nice. Yeah, this stock was a bait yesterday. My travel trust zone so is going to go up another 10. The numbers were extraordinary. He rings a bell this morning. Uh, the, the, the guy is what I call money. He is, remember, he's consumer packaged goods. You know that from Reckitt Bank. I do. I remember him from Reckitt, and right. we had some interesting conversations. He's a, he's a person in the world. He had 25 homes in 30 years. He's been everywhere in the world. Uh, I think Howard. Uh, Schultz picked a great guy, right? And I think that he also is of the business because he said to me, he wanted to know if I wanted my triple vente cappuccino with skim wet. And I said, it's after ten o'clock. You know, I switched to cold latte. Well, he does watch too, like a hawk. Yes. Son likes man money. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's one to six, David. I'll make a note of that. When, when we come back, uh, we'll get the latest on the Sam Bankman-Fried uh, trial. Found guilty, as you know, on all counts in that fraud trial. Take a look at the pre-market. Lots of earnings to get to before we wrap up the week. Uh, DraftKings, QSR, Carvana, Expedia, Live Nation, Skyworks. In a minute. At Morgan Stanley, old school hard work meets bold new thinking. 
At 88 years old, we still see the world with the wonder of new eyes, helping you discover untapped possibilities and relentlessly working with you to make them real. Old School Grit, New World Ideas, Morgan Stanley. To learn more, visit morganstanley.com slash why us. Investing involves risk. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, LLC. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production, and they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. A federal jury has found Sam Bankman-Fried guilty on all seven counts in the FTX fraud trial. He faces more than a century in prison. Kate Rooney's been covering the trial since the beginning, and even before that, she's here at Post 9 this morning. Kate, that was quick. Very quick, guys. Yeah, good to see you here. The U.S. attorney called called this case and the verdict one of the biggest financial frauds in American history. The verdict coming almost exactly a year after Sam Bankman-Fried's crypto company filed for bankruptcy. He was convicted across the board on seven counts of fraud and conspiracy on lenders, investors, and customers. It was an emotional scene inside that courtroom last night. Bankman-Fried's father burying his head in his hands. His mother was crying as that verdict was read. The defendant, Bankman-Fried here, staring straight ahead during all of this, looking sort of stoic when the verdict was read. The jury came back with a lightning-fast decision. They started deliberating around 3 p.m., broke for dinner at 6 p.m. The verdict came in around 7.45, so about four hours all in. In a news conference, Damian Williams, he's the U.S. attorney for the Southern District, delivering some brief remarks. Here's what he said. The cryptocurrency industry might be new. The players like Sam Bankman-Fried might be new. But this kind of fraud, this kind of corruption, is as old as time, and we have no patience for it. Attorney General Merrick Garland also weighing in, saying Sam Beckman-Fried thought he was above the law. Today's verdict proves he was wrong. This case should send a clear message to anyone who tries to hide their crimes behind a shiny new thing they claim no one else is smart enough to understand. In their month-long case, the prosecution called FTX a pyramid of deceit, presented evidence showing that Beckman-Fried knowingly stole customer money. The defense team saying that Mr. Bankman-Fried maintains his innocence and will continue to vigorously fight the charges against him. No official word on an appeal, but we do expect that, guys. But we've also got another trial potentially in the offing. Isn't that right? Is, yes. that, is that guaranteed? Is that or likely that he will be for another set of charges? So he faces charges with uh, campaign finance violations. So that's expected to come in March. The They'll make a decision in February if they're still going to go forward with that. The debate is whether they spend more taxpayer money prosecuting this. But some of the interesting stuff that we got out of evidence actually had to do with campaign finance spending and how much he actually gave to, in terms of dark money, some of the political groups that don't necessarily need to disclose who their donors are. We found out through evidence that he was donating about $50 million to those types of groups. I think there's a lot of people who who want to to see that through and, and really find out what happened there. Is there a sense that him taking the stand was a mistake? Yes. And it was a big risk. The big thing was his credibility. It was his word versus the other three uh, testimonies that we got who they had pleaded guilty. So from the get-go, there was just a ton of evidence. The fact that you had three key insiders testifying was tough. Now, I mean, the the mistake, it's, it's hard to say because we'll see with sentencing, but the mistake would be if 
the judge decides that he perjured himself and it actually adds time to a sentence. It could add years to a sentence. The jury obviously did not find him credible enough to acquit him. And so in that sense, a mistake. We don't get but sentencing for a while, though. March. Yeah, March, right? March 28th. So we got a little while until we'll find out what the sentencing is, but it's up to the discretion of the uh, judge. Enjoy your coverage immensely. Good to see you. Thanks, Jim. Uh, it does seem like Judge Kaplan's a strong figure. People may not realize that their judges have different styles. Uh, if I didn't know better, I would think that Judge Kaplan felt that he insulted the court, that he did yeah. things that you don't do as a defendant and therefore the instructions and the way it was handled heavily biased against him for the way he conducted himself. That was the feeling inside the courtroom, that Judge Kaplan seemed frustrated at times. He scolded him, really, and said, answer the question. He did a lot of evading and it just wouldn't directly answer yes or no. And that can affect the jury as well. He's seen as this figure of authority. He's been on the bench for decades. The jury, that plays into the jury's perception of Bankman-Fried. And if he's getting scolded and also was a little bit sarcastic in some of his answers, and especially to the prosecution, the government attorneys, he was kind of talking back to them. And you, you've got to think that that weighed into what the jury was, was interpreting in terms of his testimony. As Jim said, Kate, great work. Thanks, uh, Kate Rooney uh, covering the trial for us. We'll get Kramer's Matt Dash as we count down to the opening bell. Futures close to session highs here with the 10-year now below 4.5. Don't go anywhere. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Demand for energy is projected to continue rising in the future. To help keep up, Chevron is increasing their U.S. oil and gas production. And they're innovating to help do it responsibly across their operations, including their Gulf of Mexico facilities, which are some of the world's lowest carbon intensity operations, helping supply energy that's affordable, reliable, and ever cleaner. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com slash meeting demand. All right. All right. Let's squeeze in a mad dash before we get to an opening bell block. Do you remember block Run by uh, Jack Dorsey? Yeah, still? The artist formerly known as Square. Correct. Jack Dorsey did an absolutely terrific job last night. Uh, uh, Amrita Ahuja, who's just terrific CFO uh, with great commentary. David, this company is back. Uh, the, uh, there's just some great EBITDA. They're going to buy back stock. They are going to cut headcount, so they're actually going to be more efficient. This is the year of efficiency for Block, too. David, these companies will have to get together. I mean, Block should merge with a firm, which should merge with Upstart, which should merge with PayPal. There's too many of these, but this company distinguished itself with some very good numbers. Cash App doing well. Some people think not well enough. I do. Uh, EBITDA. I know it's adjusted EBITDA, which I know always rankles you. Well, you got to be careful with it. you got to be aware of it. Yeah. So I just um, I do want to point out, David, that this company stock is up very big, but it's probably going to go up more because the street always loved it. They love fintech. They can't get enough fintech. True. Although, again, to be fair, this stock has been far, far higher, right? I mean, I look at a five-year. Where did it peak? Oh, no. no $200. It's, oh, no. It's cost people a great deal of money. Yeah. A great deal of money. But, you know, I'm, I'm looking at all these puppies from that era, and it's going to make a comeback. PayPal, too, by the way. People love the new CEO and love his focus. Alex Chris. From Intuit. Intuit yeah. being such a good company. He brought that story. Let's get the opening bell here. And the CNBC Real-Time Exchange and the big board, personal finance company, One Name. At the NASDAQ, it is the CEO of Starbucks doing the honors after joining Jim last night. As we uh, are above 4,300 this time, it Jim. It's a bit of a short squeeze. I mean, remember, it is Friday. They have been down. 
because people are, tend to be worried about what's going to happen over the weekend, and the Middle East has weighed heavily. Uh, interestingly enough, the only company that really has reference to Middle East, other than in a sympathetic way, uh, was Bookings, and it should, in some ways, it just mentioned it kind of like the other day was Estee Lauder, but Estee Lauder, like I said, is Job. There was a piece of research that came out of the order, and it was just called Uncle. And I don't mean man from. A Berenberg cuts yeah, E.L. to hold. Yes, uncle. Yes. We had another uncle today. People have, you, have, you give, have you Have you? Have uh, you? I, I, I have thrown myself on my sword enough, Mr. Faber. You know what? You're right. You're right. And I found there's 18 people that watch Morning Show, not 17. You're way off. <laughs> um, Jim, there's going to be a lot of headlines that say Goldilocks. You think yeah. this jobs print reflects that? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of uh, within the confines of knowing that we have uh, too much debt. Uh, this is kind of the slowdown that you want. You still have some growth. The areas where the slowdown are affecting are the areas that were the hottest, which is Home Deep, which is home. I referenced floor and decor, which could hurt Home Depot just in terms of read through. That mortgage rates went up so high that they did cool housing. And we're beginning to see properties for sale. And by the way, in New York, there's a lot of properties for sale. And what I'm, I, what I'm saying is, is that that had been the area that was up 40 percent. Uh, since 2019, uh, Pal trying to bring back everything to where it was in 2019. Food has really come down. The Costco numbers, by the way, which no one talked about, the monthlies, show definite, uh, uh, not disinflation, but a, dr- a dramatic slowdown of inflation, and that, that matters. Yeah. A lot global, global food index is two and a half year low. Oh, my. I mean, I had Agco on the other day, David, and the, one of the reasons why the farm equipment companies are doing so poorly, uh, they do some good technologies, that, hey, Prices are down so much in food, mm-hmm. and yet the war in Ukraine, which was 13% of our calories in the world, continues to rage. It does. Yeah, so it is, the price of food has come down dramatically. Um, guys, want to talk about Paramount, which also reported numbers after the close yesterday, the stock of which is having a decidedly good morning so far. It is early, but it is not often that we've seen this kind of uh, surge in shares of, uh, of this company, of course. It was only uh, a few days ago that this thing had a less than $7 billion market value. It's now, uh, once again, well uh, well into the eights, uh, $8.4 billion by my count. Why, are they, uh, uh, why is the stock up? Well, better than expected numbers. So, so you came in ex- with an expectations that were mighty negative. Uh, and so defying those expectations in part is one reason why. But the other is they added 2.7 million subs to Paramount Plus, their direct-to-consumer offering. That was more than anticipated. ARPU moving up. That was better than might have been expected. Um, free cash flow, there was. $377 million in the quarter. Now, we don't know how much that was benefited by the fact that they're not spending money, remember, with the strikes right. on new content. So some of that is just deferred spending that showed up in a more positive free cash flow number. But it was. Uh, and overall, content marketing spending got tighter. They tighten things up as they have to when you're under and in under the stress that a lot of these companies are. You've got to tighten up. They did. Um, again, they also said DTC losses uh, will accelerate in the fourth quarter, but overall for 2023 will be lower than they were for 2022. That was not anticipated. Remember, this was supposed to be the peak year. Then things were supposed to get a lot better when it comes to uh, losses. But in fact, 22's losses will exceed those of 23, also seen as a positive. So, Jim, overall, good. They're tendering for as much as a billion in their, of their debt, which is, again, something they need to do. Remember, they've dividends more or less gone. 
They took in some money, if you remember, in that right. preferred that they did right. with the combination of Michael Dell and you know that that uh, that company. Um, but coast is not clear. No, to, uh, you know, for these companies, it's a tough road as your linear business continues to decline at a fairly rapid rate, and you really have to cut losses in DTC. But the growth was good. Now, why can they have unbelievable sports? Say again? They yeah. do very well in sports. Yeah. Uh, but they have Champions League, but they're, you know, or obviously a very good NFL contract. And people don't think, you know what, they've got some prized properties that actually generate some very good ad flow. Why are they not talked about? Is that because that would only be brought out in some sort of merger that the F- that the FTC wouldn't allow? Because their properties are very strong. It's true. They have they have good IP, the way they like to talk about it. Although some of it, you know, they don't fully own. I mean, Mission Impossible. You got Ellison Son. Right. like you know Ellison. Not that. Yeah, Larry Ellison Son oh, is the, I, is for the a big there, producer I there. Not, you. Yeah. Ooh. Um, yeah. Every day it was a tough day for um, Ellison. Actually, Larry Ellison, by the way, Oracle's doing quite well. Oracle is doing very well. On the call, Backish also talked about that deal between Charter and Disney that we focused a lot on, of course, that allows basically for Charter to allow its subscribers to access both the direct-to-consumer ad-supported platforms at the same time and or because they're buying the linear channels. Here's what Backish had to say about the deal as it relates to Paramount. As we go forward, it is possible that some of our partners will embrace a strategy that more tightly integrates D2C into the pay TV bundle. And we expect that if they do, the bundles would have many of the same advantages we've observed in the various hard bundles we've deployed internationally, namely a dramatically lower cost of acquisition, an improvement in streaming churn, and it may improve TV ecosystem trends as well. Right, the idea there being that maybe actually the video business hangs on longer with deals like the Charter and Disney one that was right. struck. That's why that was an important deal. Do you think Roku was talked about enough? They, they're doing a lot of things right. Obviously, it's still not making money, but yeah. Collier's got there. They seem to have, they have their act together. It was a very impressive quarter. Roku, and the yeah. stock responded very yeah, positively. very impressive. I, uh-huh. I don't know. I mean, look, I think all this area is exciting. I'm focused on ESPN call. By the way, ESPN and Penn Nat. Don't forget gambling coming up right. at Thanksgiving. Uh, DraftKings had a remarkable number. Didn't you talk to them last night? Yeah, Jason Robbins is doing a lot of things right. They've now passed FanDuel. That does matter tremendously. Uh, I do think that it's their app that makes it so that they're strong. They've got an, an analyst meeting in two weeks. They're doing, that's a SPAC that's actually making you money. Those are few and far between. Um, guys, I, I want to do a quick update on, on the uh, sale process of U.S. Steel, just because I yeah, haven't focused on it. You know what? It the looks, original X. Yeah, this is, uh, this is still going, I think, you know, fairly well. Uh, there are going to be a lot of site visits coming up for the prospective bidders for U.S. Steel. And I, I, you'd, you'd assume they're going to get this thing done by the end of this month. Remember, December 1 is when that standstill with Cleveland Cliffs expires. So you'd want to probably get something done. Cleveland Cliffs, ArcelorMittal, uh, you got Nucor, Stelco. They, you know, Nucor may be there for one asset, but may be able to partner with either Stelco or some others. Some names, Steel Dynamics, which also is potentially. And then I, I picked up another one. I mean, there's Techint. You ever hear of this company? Big Argentine company, actually, has a U.S. subsidiary called Termium. They also, I believe, are involved as well. They may not want all of the asset, but as much as 90% of it. Jim, this looks to be Cleveland Cliffs to lose because it, there's an, a feeling that they it's a must-have in some right. ways. But there is not an insignificant amount of continued interest in this asset as this process moves forward. 
um, into what will be final bids, let's call it, the next couple of and weeks. And what does that say about the economy, that you could have such fervid bidding for a steel company, which would be the last thing you typically would want to do if there's a real downturn? I know, but it is kind of, one, you know, it's a unique asset, it I is think, is unique. the view, and it's and, not like it's going to come around again. And Cleveland Cliffs, I know it's a controversial stock, but Goncalves, he's paid down a lot of debt. He's doing a lot of things right. The quarter was excellent. Initially, the shorts were pressing it down to 15. Uh, I I thought the quarter showed you the power of a combination that most people did not believe in. Uh, They can pay down debt. Their cash flow is incredible. They do own the auto market. I was concerned about a longer-term strike. But they, yeah, they they have the firepower to get it. And they're a remarkable company. You've got these companies that are out there. No one cares. I mean, Cleveland Cliffs is a remarkable resurgence. We're a good steelmaker now. Newcore's the number one in the world. And uh, dare I say that the tariffs worked? You needed to stop the dumping. Yeah, Fluor is up almost 10%. It's... It's, I just, I'm telling you, I, I like this group. I like infrastructure. I think that Caterpillar was brought down by bears who are going to prove them to be wrong. Uh, Caterpillar's now up for three straight days. It's almost back to where it was when it reported the so-called horrible quarter, which really wasn't. Uh, the industrials, whether Ingersoll Rand, David, Parker Hannafin, these companies, Carl, are just, we are so back when it comes to the industrials. But people, you know, they'd rather just talk about the weak the week four days of Apple, four days bad, and the 17 people who watch <laughs> the, the morning, morning show. show. Uh, let's get back to the jobs number. We're joined this morning by the uh, sec- acting Labor Secretary, Julie Su. Uh, Madam Secretary, great to have you back. Uh, we've been over the, the numbers a few times this morning. Is the White House ready to bless a softer job market if it does ease inflation? Hi, it's so good to be with you. Uh, so, yeah, the, today's jobs numbers uh, reveal 150,000 jobs. Um, last month, bringing the total since President Biden came into office to 14 million. Uh, To your point, this is actually something that over a year ago the president said, if we started to transition away from the numbers that we were seeing then, you know, 500,000 to a number closer to 150,000, that would be the sign that we're entering the stage of steady, stable growth. And that's exactly the number that we're seeing this month. Got some forecasters this morning saying uh, pretty likely here these numbers get revised lower. Every month has been revised lower this year. Unemployment maybe cracks four. The household survey was pretty weak. I wonder what you uh, make of that. Well, I would say so we, we look at the monthly data, which is 150,000. Like I said, President Biden has said now for over a year that that would be the sign of the kind of economy that we want, moving away from rapid growth post-pandemic to steady, stable, um, strong, sustainable growth. Uh, but the other thing is the three-month average, even taking into account the adjustments, is 204,000. So um, again, signs of, of, of a strong economy at the same time that we continue to see an unemployment rate that is less than 4%. Many people predicted we would not get to under 4% for many, many years. President Biden beat that, but now that sustained, you know, 21 months of that uh, is the longest stretch in over 50 years. So un- low unemployment with continued job growth. Um, uh, you know, people are in the labor market looking for jobs and getting them. We think these are all good signs of what Bidenomics means for the country. And Madam Secretary Jim Cramer, trying to figure out uh, the impact of the tremendous amount of uh, immigration in the country. I'm not trying to hit the third rail of illegal or legal, but we did have a dearth of new workers for a long time. 
Are you seeing any integration of the workforce from people who are, of course, legal aliens actually getting jobs, but also making it so that there's a more moderate gain in wages, therefore making it so that the Fed can one day cut rates rather than raise them? Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned the, um, the wage growth, right? You know, part of the president's uh, approach to this economy is that we can do right by workers at the same time that we, uh, you know, benefit employers and 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 grow uh, the economic strength of the country and our competitiveness. And we have seen wage growth too. Nominal wages have gone up. That's especially true for low and middle income uh, individuals, which is you know about everybody getting a fair share. Um, and I think the tight labor market, which is also not an accident, but a but a, a feature of, of of strong economic policies that favor workers, we have seen a need for workers from all across, um, you know, in every single community, and that includes immigrant communities. And we've also seen a return in terms of uh, immigration since since the pandemic. So all of these things, yes, factor into what we see as an economy where workers do well. Uh, we watched the president, of course, uh, on the picket lines with the UAW, uh, encouraging uh, the union to stay active. Now the UAW president's talking about going after what he calls the big five or six in the next labor round. Uh, would the White House encourage the UAW to start organizing non-union shops like Tesla? Right. So, uh, you, you know, we believe that the future of the auto industry, especially in this moment where there is transition going on in order to also fulfill you know, our, our climate goals and make sure that we're building a sustainable uh, um, climate, um, is that, that that can be a future characterized by good middle-class union jobs. And I think the outcome, I mean, these are only tentative agreements at the moment, they have to be ratified by the members, but the UAW's historic efforts at the table shows that there is a path for good middle-class union jobs to characterize the future of the industry. And that is certainly consistent with the president's vision and his desire to see, you know, to, to be the pro, most pro-union, pro-worker president in history. Finally, on labor force, um, a bit of a flattening out on participation. That's one of the flies in the ointment this morning as the, the street reads the print on the jobs number. Uh, do you see that number going markedly higher and why do you think it's stalled out a bit here? Yeah, so, we're, you know, those numbers continue to be high as well, right? If you look at uh, the, uh, historic trends, um, they, they remain high for women. So the employment rate for women in this country for seven months now has been the highest on record since, I don't know, like 1948. So um, it does show that people are coming into the job market, they're looking for jobs, and they're finding them. And that is especially true for um, prime age workers. Now we do have an aging population, and so you know, of course, uh, th that th that that population, um, that that labor force participation rate will be different. Um, but for prime age workers, it continues to be very very strong. Finally, on remote work. I'm wondering if the White House has been impressed with some of the castle office swipes, uh, or at least the degree to which people are returning uh, to downtown, whether they are in the office or not. Right. I mean, I think this whole, you know, post-pandemic, what the workplace is going to look like continues to be, uh, you know, in some ways, uh, uh, we're still in that transition and adjustment to see what works. How do we take the best lessons of 
uh, you know, remote work, but make sure that people are still, you know, able to work in, in common spaces, work in downtowns where we want um, businesses to be able to uh, reopen and to be able to thrive. So that's why we started to document uh, remote work trends. And we still see certain things that, you know, women tend to work in remote uh, arrangements uh, more than men, for example. But I think that is something that we will keep an eye on because we expect those numbers to continue to adjust as we adjust as an economy. Uh, Secretary Sue, thank you so much uh, for your time shedding some light on the print this morning. Good to see you. You too. Thank you Acting so much. Labor Secretary uh, Julie Sue. Sounds like they wouldn't mind to see Sean Fain go forward, Jim. Yeah, I, I think that those of us who favor kind of a more, uh, let's say, all-encompassing view where labor and uh, management can win are appalled at this. You know, to want to go be the most pro-union president ever uh, is a uh, a very divisive thing, I think, uh, because I do believe that companies like Ford, GM, are trying to make a transition to EV, and they really can't have a shotgun to their head. You can't tell them they must go to EV, and at the same time they have to pay the workers a huge amount. I think you have to. Uh, I, I think that when the president came to the picket line, I was shocked that he didn't pay a little visit to Jim Farley and say, "Listen, maybe we can work something out." It is good for the workers. Instead, he was very adversarial, and I, I was very disappointed by that. Well, I think he's unwinding 30 years of, of capital swinging to, to capital rather than labor. Well, yeah? I think we've tried to get 100 years of companies get uh, not doing fossil fuels, and it was, to me, the more important imperative was how to be able to make it so that you can continue to afford EV, and I didn't get any sense, particularly if you go after batteries, that that imperative can be met. I think we're going hybrid because there's just not enough money. And I thought that was disappointing. The climate was sacrificed upon a cost of, 20, of a 25% increase. Uh, how impressed are you? Tom Lee's got a phrase going called the baby rally that he expects to develop here. Yeah. Uh, just given some of the prints that we have still coming. With diapers? I mean, was it? Yeah, yeah, like a baby. Diapers, I don't know. I, I, I was not a good changer. Uh, I do think that, uh, and I'll try to tell us reference to my colleague David, that Apple is the one to watch. And they couldn't bring it down. They tried. They did everything they could. And their East of Eden game plan failed. Got it. Got it. I try so much, Carl. I've used so many book references. You do. I know. I, I, I am familiar with that title. What's wrong? Well, because I'm trying so hard. What do you... Trying, trying to get you something, you know, trying to get you there. You know, little classic reference books. I mean, what do you want to do? You know the president is? Steinbeck. I Tom Jones. Remember uh, Tom Jones? Tom Jones, yes. I saw, you know, you know that Tom Jones, you know, you know he is. I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah he's disgusting. Still to come. Uh, the Grapes of Wrath of the White House? An exclusive with Richmond uh, Fed President Barkin. We'll hear what he has to say about the jobs number, inflation, a lot more. Watch bonds, of course. Ten years circulating around four and a half. Equities, got communication services, banks. Uh, everything but energy is up. And the VIX close to 15. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Yesterday, uh, Fortinet reported just a miserable quarter. They blamed the slowdown in the industry. Uh, that is so false, it's palpable. I spoke to Clorox yesterday. It's the exact opposite. By Palo Alto Networks and CrowdStrike, which Harold Trust owns Palo Alto. The, the fact that Fortinet says things are bad in the industry, no, I don't protest too much. A broody. <laughs> the Caesar, Caesar, Julius Caesar. That one I got. That one I right? fully got. The yeah. fault is in Fortinet, not in the stars. <laughs> okay? 
as for tonight. Yeah, I got Hallie on, which is just a, a stock that has not necessarily been a winner so far. Uh, and then I have AEP, which won big yesterday because it's a bit of an interest rate play. Great, uh, a great utility. What a fun show, guys. I want everyone to have a good weekend. Uh, Dave is going to catch up on the Paul morning Marks, show. who's one of my absolute favorite heroes, Paul Marks. Paul Marks. Paul Marks. From the morning yeah. show. So, and I think that Tim Cook disagreed on the 17, just for the record. Just totally threw me under the bus with Tim Cook. Yeah, the M104. Do you know totally, the M104? He just did that. Um, right under the M104. Jim, we'll see you at 6, uh, Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. When we come back, more reaction to Apple's results and guidance, plus an exclusive with Richmond, Richmond Fed President Barkin. S&P 43.60, back above the 50-day for the first time since mid-September. You've been listening to The Opening Bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. Calling all operatives. From now to March 30th, MGM National Harbor invokes your skills to play Covert Cash, a spy-themed kiosk game series where classified missions, hidden rewards, and daily thrills await. Sign up for MGM Rewards to play and unlock up to $25,000 in hidden free play daily and entries into our grand escape car drawing on March 30th. Visit MGMNationalHarbor.com slash Covert Cash to begin your mission. Must be 21. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER.